Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. What's better than this, guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast? I'm Joe Marino of NDT Scouting and FanRag Sports, joined by Kyle Krabs, who's the founder and director of scouting at NDT Scouting, also with FanRag Sports. Together, we are your host on the Draft Dudes Podcast, and uh, it is a Monday here in the show. I am actually uh, recording this from my rental beach house for the week end. Uh, in Ocean Isle, North Carolina, and uh, and Kyle, I think you're in beautiful Philadelphia, uh, Delaware, close Delaware. Okay. Yeah, Delaware. I forgot that you're. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm out of the immediate Philadelphia vicinity. Take so, him to the burbs, man. Yeah, we're we're. Uh, hey, the good news is I'm closer to the beach, so uh, I may not be at the beach enjoying the beach as you are right now. Um, Kind of disappointing you're not recording from the sand. I think that's... Oh, um, man. Yeah. You know, the thing is, we're in this this habit of recording at night, so um, I could have done that. So yeah. i got to ask you this. I never have been to a Delaware beach. Like, how does that compare to a Carolina beach or, or something like that, assuming you've been to a Carolina beach? Yeah, I've been to the Outer Banks. Um, okay. And I've been to Myrtle Beach, okay. too. Okay. So... Um, Myrtle Beach is much more like the Jersey beaches, um, and then Ocean City, Maryland, where they're kind of hot spots, right? Like high volume, yeah. super high touristy area. And I found, uh, Delaware has varying degrees, but they're by and large a little more laid back, a little bit more like the Outer Banks. Uh, the beaches are a little more open. Um, they don't have the big giant rolling dunes like the Outer Banks do, but um, it's a little bit more laid back setting, by and large. So, um, does the water get warm enough for people to go in, or is it kind of chilly? Dude, I'm not in Alaska. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm like 250 miles north of you. 
right. That's going to make a big difference in temperature. I mean, it, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just, it takes a little bit longer. I wouldn't recommend okay, going so in before the end of July. Okay. See, people are in the ocean now here. Yeah, no, so it's, not me. I'm not. I'm not, not going to catch me out there too much. I was. I was down there what two weeks ago. It felt like I was standing in ice ice water. <laughs> we got to get you in that romper, man. That's that'll heat things up yeah, for sure. I'll heat the beach up. That's for damn sure. Kyle, how is the hockey search going? Have we made any progress at all? We've made none. Man. Absolutely none. Okay, so the the draft is behind us. Uh, you know. Just nothing piqued your interest well, there at the Golden yeah. Knights. What what am I gonna? I, I Mark Andre Fleury being picked in the expansion draft was like the dagger. It was like there's no way I'm rooting for that team because I know enough <laughs> about hockey to know that guy's Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde. Uh, yep. He'll stand on his head and then he'll let in six goals right on the glove side. Just just misses it with the glove. <laughs> I'm not interested. It's sti- still no help from the people. No. I've gotten oh, okay. one recommendation for Detroit Red Wings and one recommendation for Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, um, you know, I'm starting to think you just go with the Nashville Predators. You know, they they were the big draw. To... Yeah, but that feels like a cheap cheap pickup too. Well, I'm waiting for uh, inspiration. I was hoping with the jersey unveils that there there would be one or two teams that kind of inspired me with their jerseys. Um, did you know that? They had like a, a league-wide overhaul because they changed retailers for their jerseys. Yeah, I, I am familiar with this. I didn't notice any differences though with the Sabres jersey, but that could me be me just being ignorant, and not knowing. Man, there's nothing I hate more than ignorance. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, the, I, unless you admit it, it's better. It's better if you admit, admit it, right? It's like, hey, I just don't. Yeah, know. You're, yeah. you are willfully ignorant. Right. Yeah. Then there's people who are just oblivious. So. Right. Yeah. Um, so we've got a, a interesting topic here, Kyle. I'll, I'll let you kind of set the set the tone here, and we'll get into this. Sure. Uh, before we get into what we t- want to talk about today, I do want to give a tip of the hat to uh, Eric Turner, who is the newest member of the NDT scouting staff. Uh, we agreed to terms with him over the weekend uh, to become one of our national scouts. Eric has founded CoverOne.net, uh, a lot of Buffalo Bills-related content, which I know Joe's very happy uh, having a second Buffalo Bills fan um, on the staff. Uh, Eric has a tremendous eye for talent. He went through the Scouting Academy, um, has founded CoverOne.net to cover all it, to be his essential portfolio uh, for his X's and O's, and he'd done some, some film work with Lorenzo Alexander. And um, really, really impressive guy, really sharp football mind, and we're really happy to have him. Uh, so I did just want to take a moment and welcome Eric to the team. And uh, you guys can find some of his stuff going forward at NDTScouting.com in the near future. Hopefully we'll get him up and running this week. Um, yeah, absolutely. I'm excited, man. He's a great X's and O's guy, and uh, uh, he, his his content's easy to digest. So uh, I learn something when I read his stuff, and, and I'm excited to have him uh, as one of our uh, national scouts. So uh, welcome aboard from me as well, Eric. Definitely. Uh, today... Uh, I spent some time over the weekend on Saturday looking at um, NFL throws and spread offenses and uh, trying to differentiate between a spread system quarterback and a pro, uh, a legitimate pro 
prospect that happens to play in a spread system. Joe, this is something a lot of people really struggle with, and it's only going to get worse because the uh, spread offenses in college football are increasing every single year. There's more athletes than ever, more guys that can play the skill positions. You want to get those guys on the field. Uh, The more spacing you have in the college game lends itself well to that spacing. Uh, The more pressure you're able to put on defenses, the easier it is to scheme uh, windows to throw the football. So uh, this is a problem that's not going away. It's something that we need to uh, recognize and and start to kind of carve out How do you work around this roadblock in a player evaluation at the most important position in football, the quarterback position? Uh, So what I did over the weekend was I looked at uh, uh, examples of NFL throws from spread system quarterbacks, whether that's throws that were made or throws that were missed. Um, I did take a little bit of a historical context. I did look at a throw from Marcus Mariota. Uh, He was my top-rated player in 2015, and and the questions around Mariota, uh, some of them were personality-related, but some of them were also, he's coming from a spread offense. How well is that going to translate? Um, Mitch Trubisky's a player this year that played in a spread offense. Uh, Looking forward, uh, Quinton Flowers from South Florida was the player that had uh, kind of inspired this piece, and then Lamar Jackson also has two throws of his that make an appearance in this article as well. Uh, Joe, curious uh, if amongst all your beach trip, uh, you had had the chance to read <laughs> through this and any Im- initial impressions you may have had and um, anything that you would like to add to this uh, setting of the T that I've done to this point. Yeah, um, of course I read it. Kyle, man, your stuff. As soon as it comes through, it's it's a, it's a stop everything I'm doing. And oh, reading, sure. You know? yeah. uh, but no, of course, I did get a chance to read it. And um, I guess kind of the first angle that I wanted to hit this discussion with is Marcus Mariota. Because he kind of, in in a way, was was the first one. And, and that could be me being ignorant. There I am again. Uh, one of the kind of the first ones to really be a guy people were comfortable with ranking high. I think he was your number one player overall that year, if I'm not mistaken. I had a mm-hmm. first-round grade on Mariota, but I was I was like a little bit uh, cautious with it. You know, I remember thinking about my takes on Mariota going into that draft, and I, I liked his, his physical traits were outstanding. You know, he, he could throw football really well. Um, he's athletic. He looks the part. You know, his production was outstanding. Uh, but – you know, I remember saying to myself, well, you know, this is a guy who just doesn't miss layups. You know, he's just got all this space and he, he hits throws, they're accurate throws, but, you know, it's not it's not a lot of leverage and it's not a lot of one-on-one situations where he's leading guys into space and anticipating throwing windows. So what, I, what I'd like to hear kind of initially from you is, as somebody who had Marcus Mariota as their number one player in the class, and that's not something you've been shy of. You've, you've been a Mariota guy through and through, number one player on the board. You, you felt good about it at every point in the process. What what about him specifically and, um, you know, kind of gave you – made you comfortable with, with that ranking? Sure. Um, well, I actually had done – Earlier last week, I had taken Mariota's 2015 draft report and I also posted that on NDT Scouting. So that that's up there for for folks to read across the board. Um, looking through 
his his talent score was not a head and shoulders talent score. He made up. Um, he he had first round tape, uh, but it was not like a slam dunk. He was a, a right around an eight two out of nine. Uh, eight is the threshold for for first round players. Uh, he finished with a top ten overall value uh, with an eight five overall. Tremendous athleticism, uh, better size than he was billed as and given credit for, tremendous experience and leadership qualities, and some of the best production out of a quarterback uh, that we have seen come through the draft process in the last couple years, and that's including his production um, over the course of his career. Uh, He was 67% completion for over 13,000 passing yards, 134 total touchdowns, and 14 interceptions. That's in 41 career starts. And then you take his production uh, against the three best teams that, that Oregon played in 2013 and 2014, his last two seasons. Uh, he averaged about 330 yards from scrimmage with nearly three touchdowns and um, about one interception every three starts. So... Uh, production was tremendous as well. So you you take that, and that's all fine and dandy, but Joe, your specific question is, that's all stuff that doesn't account for a spread offense. Am I correct? Right, yeah. yeah. What about... So, yeah. so, so what was it on the field uh, that made me feel comfortable? Um, you know, I, can, I can read through some of this right now. Decision-making rarely throws into coverage, makes strong decisions uh, from a zone read perspective, displays willingness to throw into tight coverage, but places ball to give only wide receiver opportunity to catch. So that's one of the things going back to the article that just went up over the weekend. What is a quote-unquote NFL throw? An NFL throw, an example of that, is taking tight man-to-man coverage and being willing to throw the ball anyway, trusting your receiver and putting it in a place for him to make a play. Progressions. um, Moves across the full field of play with timing. Will occasionally lock on a primary read for extended time. Has little problem moving from read to read and resetting feet. This is another one. Uh, We talk about... um, NFL throws. Uh, the example from Trubisky uh, that I mentioned here in the article, one of the two Trubisky throws that I put in here was a third down throw with timing. Um, you know, somebody had, had kind of questioned, uh, as, I, as they read the article, they said, you talk a lot about throws. Uh, is, is that referring to arm strength or is that referring to something else? Throws is a very broad term. Um, something like timing or spot throws, those sorts of things, those are things that that are not indicative of arm strength. It's the mental processing and the concepts behind the throws. So for Mariota to hit his back foot and have the ball come out on time and throw it with touch over top of the second level with a zone defender in the area and vicinity, uh, that was something that is on display in the article, and there were flashes of those throws every single week. And they were consistently well-placed balls, um, as evidenced by very few uh, interceptions over the course of his career. He averaged uh, one interception every three starts over the course of his entire career. Uh, So uh, seeing those throws, seeing instances of those throws, seeing the concept of 
timing and synchrony between his drop and release point. He was consistently quick to get the ball out of his hands, and not just on screen throws, throws to the intermediates, throws to the middle of the field, throws up the hash. Seeing those sorts of things, what were what really sold me on him and said, okay, I know that the system here is inflating his production to some degree. His athleticism is inflating his production to some degree with how well he runs the ball. But I see enough here that this is an NFL caliber passer and a franchise wanted that. Yeah, and uh, you know it's interesting as my approach to evaluating these quarterbacks has evolved like the offenses are. Um, it seems like I'm becoming more and more comfortable with it and you know so much so that Mitch Trubisky was my number one player or my number one quarterback last year in my only first round grade. And I kind of think to a degree, not all spread offenses are the same. You know, I think comparing if you put Cal, Texas Tech, Virginia Tech, North Carolina, Oklahoma State, you know, you, you just look at them all. I think there's there's a lot of differences between them uh, where it's it's just not all the same. So does that matter to you? Um, or does it go back to kind of the stuff you had already mentioned in terms of making NFL throws within the, the confines of that scheme? Sure. I think it's more about the, the throws within the scheme. Uh, for example, um, look at Jared Goff versus Davis Webb. Uh, Davis Webb had better physical traits than what Jared Goff did. Uh, but I thought Goff had a better mastery of the offense and the... Um, the timing issues with him were not there the way they were with, with Webb, where Webb just wanted to push, 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 push the ball and does so by holding the ball for an extended period of time. And then uh, some of those throws don't come out on time. He's relying on his arm strength too much and the ball is challenged and potentially intercepted. Um, so I had Goff rated as a higher prospect and... Um, you know, because we're on a big recency bias kick as football fans in general. Some people are probably chuckling at that. Uh, I did have Goff in my top 15 overall players. Uh, I did not have a first-round grade on him, but he was in my top 15 overall players from that 2016 NFL draft. Um, and, and I think if you continue to see uh, receivers put in place there, and he gets a little bit more help from the running game. Uh, he's not a transcendent quarterback, but he has the traits that I think are necessary for him to be a, a quality starting caliber quarterback because uh, he did really well with timing and getting the ball out as the receiver hits the top of his route stem. Um, but look at the receivers that were there. You know, they they kind of have an odd group of receivers there in L.A., um, they have begun that transformation process with polished route runner like Cooper Cup, uh, somebody that can work in the slot in the middle of the field. Uh, Gerald Everett is a tight end there, move piece working again in the middle of the field at the hash, uh, and a vertical player in Josh Reynolds. So uh, there's some pieces being introduced there. I think this is going to be a multi-year rebuild for the infrastructure of the passing game for Goff, so I still don't expect him to... Um, totally turn it around this year but I think they're they're trending in a nice direction I think they continue uh, to add pieces I think they need to add an alpha receiver there um, but that's kind of answering your question I don't think it's necessarily uh, you're I'm marrying myself to some spread but not other spread uh, I think it's a question of 
what can you illustrate within what your offense is going to put on your plate? Yeah, and sure, and and I think mastery of the offense and uh, running what you're asked to run is is super important, and, and being able to be that field general and, and command the huddle and, and execute that offense uh, with precision. One thing that I when I whenever I talk about these spread offenses and um, you know whenever it really started up, you know I, I guess I was always surprised that you know certain quarterback recruits out of high school would commit to these spread offenses that don't necessarily lend themselves to being fully prepared entering the NFL. Uh, when you look at the the teams that run a pro-style offense in college, like maybe a Michigan State or an Arkansas, uh, those types of schools, you know, do you think this is something that changes recruiting where these kids are going to want to go to those schools? Or have we seen enough examples now of quarterbacks coming from those spread offenses um, that go high in the draft anyways, um, so it doesn't matter. I think it's less and less of an issue than what it would be. And I I could totally understand why players want to go to these schools because you put up huge numbers. You you want want to, as a quarterback, you want to throw the ball 50 times a game like Texas Tech does. You want to throw the ball for 500 yards. You want to throw six touchdown passes. So I get it. Um, It lacks um, some some long end view uh, to put those types of schools on a pedestal, but I totally understand why it happens. And yeah, I think seeing Patrick Mahomes go in the first round and Mitch Trubisky go in the first round, um, even Deshaun Watson this year in the first round, all three guys that have some spread concepts uh, to to varying degrees coming from their offense and Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota and Cam Newton and they're coming from all kinds now. It's what can you do as you said uh, with what you're being asked to run and how quickly can you process those decisions and um, how difficult are those decisions? I re- I remember um, Marcus Mariota's uh, QB camp with John Gruden, listening to him break down. Uh, flooding zone concepts, and, and those are, are, are things that they're looking for coming out of the huddle and, and understanding, you know, they're counting numbers on each side of the field, and then uh, they're putting themselves in position to flood zones and, and kind of high-low zone defenders and things like that. And it's um, it's much more advanced and, and much more NFL-caliber concepts than what you'll get from... Um, Oh, somebody, uh, again, going back to that Cal offense, uh, Jared Goff's QB camp, they're talking about counting numbers in the box, and if it's over X, then they run. If it's under Y, then they throw. Um, and then they're they're looking at their RPOs are, are based off a single defender. And that's where uh, defenses can, if they can key on that, they can really disguise what's happening, and, and they can... Um, bracket receivers or, or have a, uh, somebody drop off and undercut routes and things of that nature. And um, that takes some, some adjustments too. So what is it that you're asked to do and how quickly can you make those decisions? And then getting back to how good is your arm talent? Can you throw the ball consistently with, with good pacing and, and good trajectory and good accuracy, understanding where your leverage is, for your receivers in, in comparison to the defensive backs on the field, and can you consistently put the ball there? 
this has kind of turned into an interview style uh, podcast, and that's I'm good with that because I know this you, this is an article that you wrote, and I, and I liked hearing your insight on this. And um, I, I did want to ask you one more thing, uh, and that's that's specifically about Derek Carr, and this is a player that you've recently done uh, a deep dive on his film, um, and uh, you know talked about him, and, and obviously now he's the highest paid football player in the history of the game. Part of that's because he's the most recent good quarterback whose contract was ready to uh, be, you know, re-upped. So that does play into it. But he's a great quarterback, and I think you've mentioned that he's kind of in, you know, getting into that elite tier. This is a guy coming out of Fresno State that, um, you know, had these question marks about him. Um, you know, very much a a quick get the ball out. Uh, in, into like rocket screens all the times and then you know work the ball into the deeper portions with nine routes to Devonte adams you know i mean that's kind of what he did it was a lot of fun but then he played usc in the bowl game right the royal purple las vegas bowl i'll never forget this uh and then uh everything you know everybody was talking about all oh, the bucket throws from Derek carr and then he, you know the whole team struggles against usc and all the questions come out all oh, you know he's not he can't you know everything has been schemed up and he can't handle the best competition and you know the five-star recruits of usc beat up on the zero star recruits of fresno state and all of a sudden Derek carr falls into the second round and uh you know both you and i had top 10 grades on the man so uh can you touch on Derek carr his evolution what's worked for him in oakland and uh were some of those uh some of those uh doubts that came about from that usc game uh, a bit overstated yeah um you know, and this is something that we talked about. Uh, I think down the stretch in draft season this past year, is everybody remembers the bowl game, right? You talk about a player, it seems like everybody automatically talks. Oh, I remember in the bowl game he did this, but at the end of the day, bowl games one of thirteen, fourteen, fifteen games that a player played in, and uh, the recency bias that's there with that being game, that game being detached in some cases, well, ten weeks. Uh, from from one of their more recent games, um, it, it's going to be a very prominent feature. And I think that was the case with Carr. Um, obviously, with it being USC, being high-quality competition, uh, a lot of people put a, a lot of extra weight in it. Uh, but where I think Carr um, has taken steps forward is uh, he, I'm seeing some improved ability to avoid rushers and step up in the pocket and, and reset his feet where in college it seemed like those throws he would just kind of fade away from pressure and still not step into his throws and just use his arm and try and get away with it um, seeing him in 2016 consistently move the feet and slide the feet and get, and reset his base uh, that really stood out to me as as one thing that he notably improved upon from his time in college uh, but then you also factor in the quality of the offensive line there in Oakland and the interior trio especially consistently giving him a place to step up away from pressure uh, that's a huge deal uh, that has been essential for Carr growing as a quarterback, somebody who um, started his career 0-10 uh, on, on a not-good Oakland team, uh, averaged 5.5 yards per attempt, which is horrendously bad. Uh, but the past two years, he's been at 7 or, or above, and that number is even better if you adjust for incompletions and uh, and things of that nature. So... Um, the arm talent's always been there. Uh, 
the the bucket throws, Joe, as you said, have always been there. Um, I've seen more comfort in the pocket, working within the pocket, trust for his offensive line, trust that there's space, space to go. Uh, some of that is Carr and him advancing as a player, and some of that is uh, what Oakland was able to build around him, which is why it's always important to note uh, what type of situation a player is going into. It's important to note what investments they make in the in the same year and the year after to really put that player in, in the best position to succeed if they have the opportunity to do that. Um, but man, he's he trusts his guys. He throws a lot of balls into man coverage, trusting Cooper and Crabtree to get cleanly out of their breaks and make plays on the ball if, if they're more vertical concepts. And uh, it's just been an absolute blast to watch him grow and, and Joe prove us right. You know, we both were extremely high on him and player falls into the second round and he, he is a franchise quarterback, no bones about it. Yeah, he's a stud and uh, that's that's one that I certainly felt good about. And um, I think this is a good discussion because we've got a handful of these guys, even this year with, you know, Mason Rudolph, a spread guy, Lamar Jackson, uh, a spread guy. And then we've got Sam Darnold and, Josh Allen that are definitely not spread guys, and then Baker Mayfield is, and so it's going to be part of this discussion for the indefinite future. And so uh, I thought this was really good uh, to kind of talk about how we are dealing with it, and um, hopefully uh, the people learn something. And um, um, you know, this was a lot of fun, man. Yeah, this was this was great. You know, I'm, I'm glad. And this was this article has been one of the more popular articles of the month. Uh, so I'm glad to have seen people take an interest in it and share it, just as importantly on social media. It's been great to see the response that the uh, the initial tweet that I put out with the article has gotten. A uh, lot of clicks generated, so we thank you for that. Uh, but that is going to do it for us today. Uh, we we have some other takes on some other players, uh, but we're going to sit on those. We're going to guys bring you guys back on Hump Day to talk about Kalen Balage and a couple of other guys. Uh, so that will be a fun conversation. Uh, Joe and I uh, both see some exciting things there with some question marks also. So um, with that in mind, uh, please feel free follow us on Twitter for more takes between now and then. Uh, and the entire NDT Scouting team. Uh, Joe is on Twitter, at the Joe Marino. I am at NDT Scouting. Uh, NDT Scouting itself, the website has a, um, a Twitter profile, at NDT Scouting LLC. That's where you can find all of our written content. We just dump the links there. We try not to oversaturate our personal timelines with that. Uh, so it's a useful tool if you guys are interested and enjoying the content that we're putting out this summer. Uh, we also do have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash NDT Scouting, swing over, give us a like. Uh, if you like the podcast today, you enjoyed this conversation, uh, I know a lot of you guys who read the article will probably enjoy this conversation as well, uh, please rate the podcast. Give us that five-star rating, preferably a five-star rating. You know, not to peer pressure you, but we like five-star ratings here on Draft Dudes. So you can do that on iTunes. Uh, Hit subscribe so you can follow along with Draft Dudes every single Monday, Wednesday, Friday as we go. Uh, I am Kyle Krabs with Joe Marino. This is the Draft Dudes Podcast, and we will be back again for you guys on Wednesday. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. 
Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits. So you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.